Hey everybody, welcome to the Only Kids in the Hall podcast. Uh, I'm Nick Ramirez. We have here Jared Emick and May Lutkin. Again. Again? Yeah, it's us again. You oh have, yeah, it's you us, us again. here again. You happy audience, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, fuckers. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about episode four, season one of Kids in the Hall. But first, we also want to introduce our guest. Um, she's a, a, a comedian. Uh an actor would you say yeah i'd say an actor um and uh, uh just a very funny person chloe coaster everybody chloe hello Hi. thanks for joining us oh you're welcome it's code it's pronounced with a z coaster oh i'm so sorry coser. No, when i when i took my wife's last name i didn't realize i was getting her shit last name <laughs> <laughs> My first name, I have to correct the pronunciation all the time. It really becomes burdensome after a while. It's, <laughs> oh, I get tired of correcting spelling. I get so many like coffee cups that say Chol. Uh, <laughs> is that an auto? Is, is Chol something? No. When someone's writing it, do they autocorrect to Chol? <laughs> I think, I don't know. I've heard other Chloe's have this issue too, but like I had in-laws do it. Uh, at my wow. wife's grandfather's funeral, they were naming... All the grandchildren, they're like Harry Kozer, Chol Kozer. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny it goes to it gets to the point where they're saying Chol out loud. Well, that's what? it. Is, is that it's, person... like it's a typo. You don't have to say it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a hard name to spell. It's five letters. Well, I don't know. Wow. Amay, you've got that accent on the E. I was just going to ask. Everybody's wondering, Amay, how offended are you when the accent is left off your name? I'm not started? offended at all. I honestly just put it there to make people think for a second, you know, to be like, <laughs> maybe this isn't Amy and I should give it another second of thought. <laughs> but this I don't know. Really average Amy. Yeah, yeah. Well, just to remind them, because also with social media sometimes you meet people and you connect on social media and then like you never talk in person again for a long time and then it's really I, awkward when they don't pronounce your name right the next time you meet <laughs> so. i remember doing an improv show with you amaya like probably a few weeks after we met and i was saying you know some people uh that spell it that way pronounce it amy and you're like yeah people who call me amy that's how i know i never want to talk to them again or something <laughs> Well, not when they do it by accident, but some people are real jerks about it and will just like do it on purpose in a really weird way. It's very aggressive. Like, let's all just uh, <laughs> let's all take a breath. Well, we'll Chloe, take a breath here. <laughs> so, Joel, Amy, thanks for joining us. Let's, let's... <laughs> anyway, Chloe, uh, we've been screwing around too much. Wait, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk. It's gotten way too silly. We hate jokes and having a good time, so let's tone it down. Did you watch Kids in the Hall growing up, Chloe? No, I watched it. I watched it obsessively. I really, truly loved it. There were also years where all I watched was comedy. Like, I couldn't understand why anyone would even want to watch drama. <laughs> like, for probably, like, 10 or 15 years of, like, my youth, I uh, obsessively watched Comedy Central um, and just about everything on it. But I, I love Kids in the Hall. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I was the same way growing up watching it. It seemed like Kids and All was on Comedy Central uh, nonstop for a while. Like, it, definitely every day. It was like every day at lunch, I would get to watch Kids and All, a couple of Kids and All episodes, I guess. Why weren't you at school? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk to that question. truant officer. <laughs> 
It must have been a summer thing. But it's weird. I associate the summers with watching Wings on USA. But I guess I also watched Kids in the Hall on Comedy Central. So. Yeah, they just didn't have as much content on Comedy Central. So everything was being like replayed constantly. Right. It was like Daily Show, South Park, Kids in the Hall. All in- down, that's Sinbad special. Frank <laughs> Yankers? Or is that was that too recent? The movie where Brendan Fraser uh, took yes. over a radio station. Oh, yeah. Uh, Airheads. That was on yes. all the time. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? There was a time when we were like, we didn't have content. Now it feels like content's bursting out of every like crevice and orifice. Yeah, like to there's... a point where it's like onerous. I like don't want to. I'm like, oh, there's too much shit that I feel like I have to watch. Before I feel like I watched every sketch comedy that yes. there was. That's what I was going to say. I, I told that to somebody once, and they thought uh, they thought it was bragging. <laughs> You're like, no, there's only like five to ten of them. No, <laughs> I'm ashamed. I'm very ashamed of myself. What's uh so what were some of your favorite sketches or characters growing up, Chloe? Uh I loved I loved Kevin McDonald in general. Just something about him as a kid. Like when I was a kid, he was absolutely my favorite. But never never put salt in your eyes is one yes. of my favorite sketches <laughs> of all time. I think about it a lot. Um Kevin McDonald's I, kind of like a a a living cartoon, or at least he was back then. Like Yeah. His reactions were so big and yeah, so, you, so broad. You get some of those cartoony performances in this app. In, in my, I don't want to jump ahead. Am I jumping ahead? I am. A little bit. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Jared, come on. All right. Uh, what else did I really love? I love Dave Foley's friendly axe murderer. Um, I generally love everything Dave Foley did as well. Um, I'm trying to think what, what else I really... There was so much I didn't understand. Yes, me too. <laughs> Including one of the sketches in this episode. I don't want to get too far ahead, Jared. I just mm-hmm. scolded you about jumping too far ahead. A hypocrite, Nick. The pod hypocrite. I am actually curious. How do you feel about Cabbage Head? This has been a very contentious character. <laughs> oh, um, I think, I think any, oh God, what's his name? It's Bruce. Is Bruce McCullough. I, I don't remember how I felt at the time. I've come to like it just because I feel like he's less doing comedy than anybody in the show. Interesting. Interesting. That like he, I feel like he was the one who was most like, I don't know if this is comedy or performance art. Yeah. Him and McKinney, I think too. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I feel like for for me, I feel like McCullough was more successful for me, like as a creative in general. Um, Oh, me too. Yeah. I think I didn't, I think, I think I just so didn't get Cabbage Head. I think now I like it because it's just very purposefully abrasive and kind of purposefully not that mm. funny, which is McCullough's thing, which I kind of like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, so he'll he'll do he'll he'll also do a performance every now and then. It's like very obviously silly and funny, but he does. Yeah, he does. Like I'm thinking of his kid in that in that country doctor sketch today. He's yeah. just like bouncing around, but but yeah, he he, he definitely does <laughs> do stuff that's just abrasive more than anything else. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, there's other stuff that he does that I think is like purely hilarious, but I feel like you can tell it's a McCullough one because he didn't, he, he doesn't. It's clear that he doesn't like make it for the audience, but I don't also don't feel like that it's as, as abrasive as like like Andy Kaufman or even like Tim and Eric. Frankly, um, it's just fucking weird. I bet you that Tim and Eric were fans of the Bruce McCullough sketches on kids in the hall. Some like some of the like 
some of the short films that you directed, I guess, for Kids in the Hall. No, I do like it when people make comparisons to these sketches, the like more modern ones or more modern comedy duos. Because I do think also comedy goes through this thing where it'll be like very friendly and approachable and then it'll swing over into this weird, yeah, performance art, art abrasiveness. And like Tim and Eric was kind of that. And then like, I think we're past the Tim and Eric era in a way where we might be swinging back. How dare you? How dare you, May? Yeah, because I don't know, because we still have a... <laughs> I think you should leave is pretty abrasive. <laughs> yeah, I think you should leave. I was... Oh. That's true. What's yeah. what's the guy? He does the fake interview show, like, like ranches people, bird up. I'm not forgetting his fucking. He just released a movie. Are you talking about Eric Andre? Yes. Good Lord, oh, Eric yeah. Andre. Right. Yeah, he's still going yes. strong and pretty amazing. Yeah, I think some. I, I know. I think you should leave. Is produced by Tim and Eric's company. I, I wonder if uh, Eric Andre. I think it might be. Yeah, I feel like they do have their hand in a lot of other projects now, as opposed to just doing like what they did for Great Job and stuff like that. But I, but yeah, Tim. It, not only does Tim Robinson kind of like that, but I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but where he casts like non-actors sort of in a lot of those sketches yeah that device i love that doesn't really it's that sort of happens in kids in the hall right yeah it feels i don't know if they've ever had just a comedian on their show it's funny if you look i looked up the cast just to, to remind names but the only people that show up on google is uh kids in the hall cast is paul bellini and angela <laughs> featherstone <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul Bellini is, uh, he was a writer on the show. He was actually like uh, Scott Thompson's old friend. He was kind of like Scott Thompson's handler in, in this season. In the first few seasons, he was just the guy that could like wrangle Scott Thompson and make sure he showed up on time and stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, he, they, were in a, they were in a punk band called Mouth Congress together. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, so he was like the Paul Bellini. He was like the Scott Thompson wrangler. But then he, uh, he eventually became a writer on the show. Uh, and uh, he was uh, kind of a regular... He was kind of a recurring character, just himself. He would be a guy that would show up wearing a towel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's a, there was the, apparently the only person on it, as a, and <laughs> also one model who showed up as a strip club onlooker. If you just Google kids in the hall, this is what shows up. <laughs> uh, there was one other actor in today's show, at least, which was the little kid uh, who was, uh, he was funny. Soothing, soothing his parents. Hey, well... I don't know. Should we move on to the recap portion of the show? Yeah, let's do it. Nick, do you have like the song of the era of the time? Yeah. Do you have your special thing that we all love or did you just <laughs> fuck it? Remember earlier when I said, oh, I forgot to. Uh, <laughs> never mind. All right. So let's give it. All right. Well, <laughs> let's just pretend you'll put it in later. Yeah. Top of the charts was. Should we ADR laughing? Because we always like that part. And then you'll cut that back in. <laughs> well. Whatever's easiest. I can't. I can't fake laughter. I can tell you. I can tell you what was number one in America was bad English. When I see you smile. Oh, okay. Meanwhile, number one in Canada, sowing the seeds of love by a little band called Tears for Fears. <laughs> oh, Nick, you've done it again. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Yeah. Um. So this opening scene. Did anyone else watch it and think? Wow, they really wanted to just pay a fight coordinator to teach them how to do this crazy ass <laughs> fight. <laughs> you know, I love these blackouts they do. I just, I just don't, I just didn't feel like there was enough payoff on on the on the punchline here. I mean, yes, I agree with you, May. It is very just like we're gonna have fun, yeah. <laughs> fake stabbing each other. I do think this is the most present Bruce McCullough has ever seemed. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, they're both going as hard as they can i i 
I really liked it because it's the it's the first Kids of the Hall I've seen in a long time. And it was like, oh, yeah, because the entire show is very much a counterpoint to pretty much a counterpoint. It feels like to SNL because that was like the other big sketch show of the era. And so it's like immediately their intro is separating them from uh, the other sketch that is available. Well, let's back up a second again. So let's just say what the sketch was real quick. So it's uh, it's McCullough and McKinney fighting a, a big choreographed stage fight. Uh, and then at, oh, I'm sorry, Scott Thompson, actually. And then uh, and then at the end, Scott Thompson stares at the camera and says, wow, deja vu. With a big, huge smile on his face as he's trying to drive a knife into Bruce McCullough's head. <laughs> OK, and then I'm sorry. It's uh, like a uh, knockdown drag out fight scene, too. Yeah. They use uh, they use uh, a trash can at one point, uh, yeah, and a knife. Uh, but yeah, May, you're gonna say compared to you're gonna compare to Cabochet. Oh, I was gonna speak to what Chloe said about how they were like the opposite of SNL in a lot of ways. And I think when we were talking about Cabochet in a different episode, um, maybe Jared was saying that it was like a joke about SNL and about their recurring characters and like how awful they are sometimes. Right. Cabbage Head, yeah, it was like a comment on those lame kind of devices bringing them back. Yeah, I don't know about, I'll never know about Cabbage Head. I, I just don't know what the <laughs> attention was or how I feel. I mean, I guess I know I don't like it, but other than that, I, I'm, I'm, it's a mystery to me. <laughs> and I'm still a fan of Cabbage Head. Uh, Chloe, this, so you said this is the first time you've seen a Kids in All sketch in a very long time. Is that just because, I mean, when do you, 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 it's not on TV anymore. You probably don't even have TV. <laughs> yeah, I, I just haven't <laughs> sought it out in a long time. Like, I mean, when I'm like teaching sketch or directing, Kids in the Hall is in my head a lot. Mm. Um, I actually took a writing workshop with Kevin McDonald, um, oh. like my first or second year doing doing mm. comedy. Um, and it's funny because I feel like he taught game just differently. Like his whole idea was protect your premise. You have this idea that's super funny and you just want to do everything you can to get that to like survive the process of writing it. Um, wow. Which I feel like was inadvertently similar. Um, yeah, similar just, you saying, just you saying that made me go like, yeah, like I dig that hard. Like that's, <laughs> that's a super cool way to approach. Yeah. But you're, but you're like comparing that to UCB where we kind of all took classes and, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, where it's it's still like there's there was a powerful methodology behind it. He was like, the best part of comedy is when that idea hits you that makes you smile. And then you just have to, in the process, all you're doing is defending that moment. Yeah, um, like every now and then you'll you'll have a teacher at UCB or, or somebody I worked with at UCB that would kind of hmm. like remind you to step back and try to try to just remember to be funny. Because so much of, of that UCB philosophy is like, getting in your head and, and not remembering to be funny. The good the good teachers would do that, I feel like. I feel like sometimes you would have a sketch and it wouldn't work, and then the default go-to for a lot of people would be like, what is the game? <laughs> and yeah. then that would be this like weird like note-slash-attack-slash-legitimate question, and then the person receiving that would always go like, oh, uh, well, I, I guess the game is... And then you're almost sort of questioning what you're talking about, Chloe, like what you thought was funny, like what was the idea? And then all of a sudden you're working backwards and trying to reverse engineer. It's like, what is the sketch? And then it kind of falls apart. But yeah, I, feel which like, I think the, yeah. the far more present question is what was the initial idea that yes. made you smile? Like what was the initial initial comic impulse? Because that's invariably like the the plot gets lost from that step 
between step zero and one so much in comedy. Totally. I do remember when I used to, when I was taking sketch classes at UCB, uh, the worst, the worst question you'd get after we re you read your, after the group read your sketch was the, the teacher saying, okay, now what about this did you find funny? <laughs> <laughs> Which is like an honest question and it leads, it leads to writing about a sketch, but clearly was saying, I didn't find this funny. What did you think? I, no, I always think it's like uh, when, the useful question of like, what is the game or what do you find funny is usually like presented to a sketch that is chaotic and has many, many ideas in it. And they want you to streamline it down to one, like pick one thing that you think is funny. And I think this like kids in the hall is kind of the opposite of that, where they're like, actually, we're going to put every single thing we think is funny. <laughs> into this everybody, <laughs> everybody in the sketch gets to be funny. Everybody gets to talk in a funny voice and say something silly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chloe, what did you think about the open the uh, the intro? Let me play a little bit here. Nick is just loving it. Nick, do you do you listen to this, Nick, on on your on Spotify, and do you just like watch or walk it around? I used to I used to listen to the band Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. I mean, I like mm. the I like that kind of surf rock. Yeah, but Chloe. Growing up, what did you what did you think of this intro when you were a kid? I I liked it because it was so odd. Like it it there wasn't a theme song. It wasn't really telling you what it was. It was just because I watched this. I watched this when I was like was like extremely young. Okay, you don't have to brag about how young you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a very real chance I'm the oldest person in this room. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I always really liked it. Um, I, and I, it, I also love my other, it's probably one of my two favorite sketch show intros and the other, which is The State. Um, I love mm. the intro to The State because it's so caustic. Um, yeah, yeah. And this one is just so surreal. Like, I feel like it does a good job of priming you for the surreality of the show. That's funny you described it as surreal. To me, it's just like shots of these guys hanging out in a regular sub in the suburbs, just being regular. Yeah. What do you find surreal about it, Chloe? Well, I guess, I guess just, I don't think surreal is, or, or maybe it's something about like that music always felt spacey to me as a kid. Yeah. And then just like, all the the montage and like the playfulness of it like yeah now that I, now that i look at it now i don't find it surreal at all as a kid i found it really <laughs> weird <laughs> i'll tell you uh, and and uh, these other two made fun of me for it but i just thought it was the coolest thing in the world when i was a kid and i thought <laughs> this these guys are the coolest and this song's the coolest and this intro is the coolest but uh i keep hoping somebody else felt that way growing up but maybe it's just me we're going to just like ask every single guest we have, like, do you think is this, this is like the coolest thing you've ever fucking seen? <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to say yes. And Nick is going to be really happy. I mean, I had a bit of a feeling with that because I, uh, I spent a lot of summers with my uncle and he fucking loves the show. And so a lot of it was like, oh, I'm watching something that even at the time I was like, this is a little bit above my like intellectual emotional pay grade like there's a lot that i'm missing that's going on and i was primed that it was an experimental odd show and that like a lot of it didn't land um so i really i really felt like i was in uncharted weird te territory and if i could get anything from the show that what i would get was awesome like that whatever i had to to do to enjoy it was worth it 
No, that's definitely something that made it feel cool to me. It was just that it felt like this was something that I was too young to get. And that, uh, that was odd, I guess, like strange and, and different and artistic. Okay. Well, let's talk about this, uh, this, uh, first real sketch. It's called asshole on the, uh, Ugh. that's what, that's the name <laughs> of it. It's a, uh, it's Mark McKinney plays this, uh, leather jacket wearing jerk, uh, who, who comes into Kevin McDonald's diner with with uh, their mutual friend Scott Thompson and basically just Mark McKinney acts like an asshole and Kevin McDonald blows up. Okay, Paul, I want you to meet my buddy Tony. Hi. Hi, Paul, pleased to meet you. <laughs> what do I look like, a businessman? <laughs> Save that for businessman, okay? I'm not a businessman. <laughs> joke. <laughs> Funny guy, huh? Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> there's not like I, this would be something that if you that i feel like if we brought this into a ucb sketch class the question would be okay well what what do you find funny about this what's really I, you know what's funny to me about it is it i know people like that and i also oh, think, like I, watching this like mark mckinney always plays the most unpleasant characters like i kind of feel this animosity towards him in general <laughs> and i was like i bet this is kind of not that far off from what he can be like with people no, um no. I, I love I, it. I love. I it. wanted to make it clear that I didn't think it was a bad sketch. I just think that if we brought this into a UCB class, they might be like, "Well, what well, do you find about?" Well, I about think this, this, but it's not. It's not just that he's an asshole to me. It's like kind of like May saying, like he's a specific asshole, yeah. and he's the kind of asshole that you certainly wouldn't want to see a movie with because he's going to have extremely kind of pretentious, judgy opinions about whatever you're going to see, and it's not going to a movie which the sketch centers around is not going to be just like a fun thing to hang out with friends. You know, he's going to judge it hard. So I think it's like a specific asshole. I don't know if the leather jacket makes me laugh because <laughs> it's kind of just like a random generic jerk element to it, that character. But well, you no, have I have a hipster. I feel like maybe that's like the kind of, I oh, felt okay, like maybe okay. that was what like a hipster looked like in, in Toronto in the late eighties. It feels like a little bit of like culture warfare because one McDonald is playing someone who's like really blue collar. Actually, I'll be honest. I had I was like the the deja vu. I was like, oh yeah, these are things I love about kids in the hall. And then this sketch, I was like, oh yeah, these are the things I fucking hate about kids in the hall. Really? <laughs> um, although the what do I look like a businessman? And I was like, oh, are they just finding their like businessman vibe? Because the <laughs> businessmen as a theme in kids in the hall is one of my favorite things. But it it just was like. All I could think of was like, did they feel really smart when they were writing this? But it mm. it feels like like kids in the hall, I feel like tends to root for for blue collar. And I feel like here they're sort of setting themselves as like like because the asshole is very cynical and very much like a contrarian. And Kevin McDonald is just like trying to enjoy things earnestly. Um and then Scott thompson for whatever reason like really thinks that the asshole is cool He's, he is so funny in this sketch scott thompson he has some of my favorite lines there was towards the end where he's uh you know the like they, he, he, what's that he's like you looked at my birthmark <laughs> <laughs> no no i was gonna say where like after mcdonald makes his big speech and like the two characters clearly hate each other he's trying to like middleman between them and say like he didn't mean nothing oh, i didn't mean nothing oh, what the hell was that hey you He's okay, eh, Tone? No, he's an asshole. No, no, no. He he's okay, huh, Tone? He's okay. 
<laughs> that just made me really laugh yeah. really hard. Uh, I haven't um, liked Kevin McDonald's whole performance in this, honestly. Like his like rant yeah. laugh. And I also just love when he goes, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like the audience like is so happy. They're like, yeah, Ptolemy's an asshole. <laughs> One thing I always remember from the sketches when he goes, you little piece of jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that is such that is such a Kevin McDonald line. I think I really like, enjoyed this as a scene. I don't, you know what? I didn't find it. Hmm. I didn't find it very funny, but I really enjoyed watching it, which is another thing I find myself doing a lot in Kids in the Hall. I'm like, oh, well, this is like kind of a sketch. It's more of a scene. I was just thinking that today, actually, Chloe, because I, I, I remember uh, reading Bob Odenkirk saying that he didn't like to, to use the word sketches. He liked to use the word scenes. And I wasn't really sure why, because Bob Odenkirk's sketches seem very sketch-like to me. But I think that applies more to like Kids in the Hall and to this sketch, and also to the uh, to the Country Doctor one, which is they're just like well, that little, one certainly felt they're just more like little like a scene. Yeah, there's like little scenelets where just stuff happens with big with characters. It's more character driven, and it's not so much a a, a concrete premise. This one though, I I, I the notes I kind of wrote where I, I thought it. Mark McKinney, Mark McKinney's character was just different enough, like just weird enough to be funny, but he was a very real character. And then, yeah, I just love the fun anger from Kevin McDonald. So it's just always funny to see him angry and get see him to see him blow up. Yeah, th- I mean, this feels like a very real. It feels like a hyperbolic version of a very, very real situation. Oh, having yeah. like a friend like who wants to be friends with someone who is just like provably shitty. And then you kind of have to deal with it. Because again, Scott Thompson is getting mad at Kevin McDonald for being treated like shit. And it's like, yeah, I've been in, I mean, I've been in this situation before. I've probably been Scott Thompson in this situation before. <laughs> and I may have right. been Mark McKinney in this situation <laughs> before. I think it's also the like pain of thinking you have plans with a friend and they show up with a third person. And that you're too, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let, let's, uh, let's talk about Dave's I Know. in my dad's store he's worked for 12 years he'll probably work here for more i remember this so vividly there are a few sketches in here in this episode that i remember very vividly one kicked it off it's like such a simple thing that's fun to enjoy i don't know i I love this one this reminded me a lot of what was the name of the sketch with all the old women in the field the 40 helens 40 helens Helens, yeah It, it it seemed very much like that but I wasn't tired of it. I loved the line, uh, they all have different hands and come from different moms. I thought that was so funny. They all have different um, hands is such a Bruce McCullough line. I was reading about this one in the I was reading this about this one in the in the biography. This one actually predates the kids in the hall. It's a, a, a song that he wrote when he was in a on a troupe with just Mark McKinney and a few other people called The Audience. So Dave Foley wasn't even a part of the group yet. No, I mean they may have known each other. They were both they were all like hanging around, you know, Toronto doing comedy. So it, it might have been, but yeah, Dave Foley. I mean, you'll notice Dave Foley's not one of the Daves he mentions. He no, mentions he he, he just shows up, up at the very end, which I think end, yeah. is the most bizarre comic restraint to not have not having <laughs> Dave Foley in it until the end is extremely funny to me. My favorite that Dave, is a great choice. Well, the two Daves I loved was the one the little kid who's Dave Jadisky. Man, this cat can swing. And then you see a little kid swinging on a swing. And then uh, <laughs> Dave Capisano, I hardly know him. 
Yeah, this one's just a solid, funny sketch. This one, this one was also on um, Bruce McCullough's uh, album, Shame Based Man, which came out when I was probably in middle school or something, and, and I, <laughs> I loved it. I Again, another thing I like, I understood of this half, half of the sketches on that album, songs and sketches, but I still loved it. Um, yeah, any other thoughts on this one? No, I think it's very, nothing to say here. It's very Kids in the Hall. <laughs> to me, it was like, this is why I watched this show is for pieces like this. Yeah. yeah, just kind of absurd and, and funny yes. and like uh, just unique, a unique point of view. And simple and not too crazy like a lot of their other stuff. Yeah, very, very good. This one is a little weird. Okay, and then this one is the guy with a positive attitude toward menstruation. It's a monologue of Dave Foley just addressing the audience as himself, saying that he's a man with a positive attitude towards menstruation. Hi, my name's Dave Foley. And uh, something you might not know about me is that I have a good attitude towards menstruation. <laughs> That's right, I'm the guy. The guy with a good attitude towards menstruation. Oh, I know a lot of men are made uncomfortable by this monthly miracle, but not me. No, I embrace it. Embrace it the way some men embrace the weekend. Why, I anticipate it the way a child anticipates Christmas. This is the sketch where I want to ask Dave Foley, what do you think is funny about this? (laughs) I feel like this to me reads as like, okay, this was an edgy kind of topic than when they were making it and to just make a sketch around menstruation maybe just felt like oh boy like automatically irreverent uh because i now it just reads as so flat and no joke there it feels like to me the joke is that uh he is just so positive like no no it's (laughs) it's like he's it's like he's really overcompensating about how how much he loves women and uh how, how much of a feminist he is he doesn't talk about feminism or anything. He's just saying how much he loves of the fecundity of the uterus, I guess. Although he does I get mean, quite racist in the middle of it towards indigenous Americans. Oh, I don't even remember that part. What did he oh, say? Oh, he talks a bit how like how like in certain tribes of any and he uses I can't remember what term he was, but I was like, that's I don't know if that was right for the time, but he's referring to them if they had a period, they'd have to live outside the camp. And I'm like, they were like thousands of different groups of people who had completely different cultures um, oh i didn't did he say native american i guess yeah. when he said that i was imagining like a european <laughs> people for some reason i wasn't listening very actively yeah but it's like kind of checked out i was like when is this gonna get to a bigger point because often they'll also have like these sort of sketches where there's a somebody giving a speech or something is happening and then suddenly it veers off in a completely different direction and that's sort of what I thought was going to happen here. And then it just never did. It kept being the same. I honestly was surprised by this because one of the, well, it's nearly the exact same as a sketch that I think aired in a much later season where all of them are sitting around. One of them accuses Bruce McCullough of being on his period because he's being emotional. He's like, well, maybe I wish I was. Yeah. Actually, maybe no, I wish I did. That was just a couple episodes ago. Oh, really? They hit that yeah. again? And it was that near the... Well, fair enough. That's weird. Because uh, I remember <laughs> that that stuck in my mind. Because, like, as a young, confused trans woman, I was like, fuck, I guess I'm mad that I don't get a period. And I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> so was it, like, giving you, like, an access to that thought? Or was it, like, confusing or offensive in later retrospect? It was... No, it was... It was confusing. Like, that sketch doesn't feel transphobic it almost feels like it almost feels like he's experiencing dysphoria Mm -hmm. um 
but it was just very resonant at the time. And I was very confused by it because I just, I didn't understand myself uh, at all. Um, but I remember things like that have stuck in my head where I was like, why do I remember that sketch specifically? Why do I think about this sketch all the time? Yeah. Right. Mm. What does the salt in the eye one tell you? <laughs> salt, salt in the eye? Uh, Just don't, don't if I remember correctly, always put salt in your eye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you guys are going to love that sketch when we get to it. Or maybe you'll hate it. I don't know. New house rules. New house rules. From now on, the outside of the house is the inside. And the inside of the house is the outside. You can't do that. Yes, I can. The house is in my name. I can do whatever I want. You're outdoors, baby. This one's called uh, the house rule. This was like a Bugs Bunny sketch, duck season, rabbit season. This actually made me laugh a lot, and I remembered it too from long ago. I do like, I mean, it was very obvious what was going to happen once he said that the outdoor was actually the indoor, but it still made me laugh when she was like, let me in. (laughs) I love when he picks up the newspaper and it shreds instantly. (laughs) Uh, I also love at the end when they show you the rig they use. Yeah, that was very SNL, SNL, it felt like. It was very meta to me. It was like, oh, we're all inside. And oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Also, uh, this this is a sketch I want to use as a springing off point. This is an unusual episode of Kids in the Hall in that there's almost no cross-dressing in it. Yeah. But I frequently point towards Kids in the Hall as a show that does cross-dressing well. Like, it's never the joke of the sketch that there are men in women's clothing. With the small extent that uh, Mark McKinney does do a voice. Everyone else just embodies femininity and is a female character um, as opposed to using that as a punchline, like how SNL will, in order to indicate that a woman is ugly, will have her played by a man, which is massively transphobic. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something I always like, even as a kid, I found it peaceful watching that. I was like, oh, they're really nice. And uh, David Foley is such a pretty girl. <laughs> I. I think like watching it, we were talking about this um, a couple episodes ago. I don't remember now, but there's this episode where they have Kevin McDonald pretend to be a ballerina girl. And that was the only one that ever like, that really made me feel uncomfortable because the joke kind of is that she is like so graceless and like bad at ballet. Yeah. Yeah. And they just like kind of dump on her. (laughs) Yeah. That's like, that's like the cornerstone foundational transphobic (laughs) premise. But a lot of the time they're just like, I think they're very good at being whatever their character is without it, you know. What do you think uh, Monty Python falls on the cross-dressing spectrum? No, I think think Monty Python was always a bit of the joke is that they were odd women. I mean, they put on absolutely Mm. fucking outrageous voices um, and you can see the joke show up in a lot of other places. Like, I really feel like of the, the sketch shows of that era and before, like... Like, cause you and even like, I don't think Key and Key and Peel really. I feel like Key and Peel was 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 decent about it too. Um, but in general, I feel like everyone else was just a disaster. Like Monty Python to me feels like a disaster because the mm. joke is like we look ridiculous in women's clothes. We sound ridiculous. This is the not voice, how a woman certainly. should sound. Yes, yes. And yes. very yeah. thin characters in Monty. I mean, every character in Monty Python was very thin. But when they play women, you mean? Yeah. But also, I mean. Kids in the Hall, I feel, has much better characters than Monty Python does. They actually they feel like real people. Whereas Monty Python, Monty Python, like you can say all the characters are thin, but like it'll be like, oh, I'm a guy who, uh, whatever, who has 
keeps fighting after all my limbs have been cut off. And then like it's a female character and it's like, I'm a woman. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's it. Is there's the there's the characters and then there are the caricatures. And women are always caricatures in Monty Python. Yeah. I actually find Monty Python pretty fucking boring to watch when I go back. I'm like, wow, these are so they're working so hard to be surreal that nothing is interesting. It, it is hard to watch some of the flying circus now. I feel like the movies still hold up pretty well, but the show is... Movies is, hold up pretty well. Hard. I mean, Meaning of Life, yeah. where they cherry-thick all, all their best sketches, is pretty fucking fantastic. <laughs> right, mm. right. He's only way <laughs> Um. So this, yeah, there weren't that many cross-dressing moments in this, and in this, it's just like this woman inside trying to get out. And... Is that true? Is that... Are, were there no other? Well, then that's just the last one, the right? one, yeah. Well, no, ne so next we have, and we do have a couple more sketches. Come on, Mom. You'll find other friends. Dad? There'll be other law firms in Boston. <laughs> it's never easy when Timmy gets transferred. I thought that was good. Yeah, I liked it. The acting for no lines for both of them is very good, I think. Very, very funny to me. Them just kind of being serious <laughs> and just kind of expressing that to each other, I found fascinating. And the kid was good. Yeah. No, this is this is a... I mean, they could have put this up top, really, I guess. Maybe it would have been too low energy. Mm. But I feel like this could have... This is funnier to me, much funnier than the, than the fight and the deja yeah. vu. Yeah, yeah. I loved deja I think I'm the one person here who really loved that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys like this one or am I alone in like... Nick likes this one. I think it's... I I don't know. I didn't really laugh, but it's different than a lot of... Sometimes I appreciate that there's just different energy in the sketches throughout an episode. Like, this one has such a different energy from everything else. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. I Yeah, and this was the sketch that we mentioned at the beginning that had a different like a non kids in the hall actor in the, in the, in the sketch, yeah. which was this little kid, who I think the kid's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> We're giving a lot of compliments to this kid. I mean, it was a pretty simple. You're thing. right. It was, you're right. He sucked. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ed. He's sick of the Swiss. That's right. I'm sick of their good reputation. He's really sick of the Swiss. I'm sick of their cheese. I'm sick of their chocolate. And I'm especially sick of their plucky heroine, Heidi. He's sick of the Swiss. You don't like them. I mean, every other nation in the world has taken their turn being maligned and slandered, but not the Swiss. Icky, yucky, stinky, stupid Switzerland. Well, that situation is over as of now. Move over, America. There's a new asshole on the map. While I was watching this, I kind of wish Mark McKinney wasn't in it, this sick of the Swiss. Sketch. Oh really? I don't think he added anything to it with his interjections, and at some points he cut the joke off before the audience could laugh. I thought. Uh, I like the two man dynamic. I thought I thought they worked well off each other. I mean, I agree. The timing on this one was yeah. weird. There was a lot of like at one point they were talking over each other, and like it felt like they were maybe that was like they were trying to work that in like a local commercial vibe or something. But it almost felt like they hadn't. It was like under rehearsed or something. What did you think of this one, Chloe? I I always get hesitant when. The premise of the sketch is along the lines of, what if racism was funny? 
Okay. <laughs> what the premise is. I, uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, because yeah. I, I didn't associate. I didn't think of racism as much as like racism. as a like yeah. a nationalism and but but well, yeah, mean, like my, they're I mean, all my, closely related. My grandmother is from a generation where she actively hated other groups of white people, and I mean, this <laughs> right. is essentially we can do these jokes that are racism, but it's a racism that isn't systemic, so no one like really cares about it. Um, yeah, I do. I do wonder if it's like if it's different coming from Canada, where because they, they they kind of say that they kind of say that America is the country everybody hates, which which I respect that. But like even that weird line that Mark McKinney did, the like icky, st- it's just like shut up. I don't want to hear that. From you. Mark McKinney McKinney <laughs> is definitively and by a large distance my least favorite cast member on Kids in the Hall. I know he has oh, no wow. recurring characters I enjoyed. Uh, the only performance I can think of that I like is the one where he's the devil and Scott and Scott uh, Thompson like sells his soul so that his hair can grow weed. Okay, or no, he yeah, sells yeah. his jacket, I think, <laughs> is the, the punchline to it. Yeah. Um, I've never seen that yeah, sketch. I guess it that for me, the sketch like falls like Nick said more into nationalism than anything else. And I can also sort of see it coming from this place where, yeah, like Switzerland is always spoken of as this kind of like idyllic place, which is not even true as anyone from there would tell you, you know, they have their issues that we just don't know about or hear about. And they did like, they were, they did like, they didn't actively denounce the Nazis at least, right? They kind of helped the Nazis. I I don't know history enough. I shouldn't even say this. (laughs) 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 Well, they're neutral. They're very neutral. I find that Nazis is a good topic to go into at first if you don't, if you're not fully, you know, confident in your knowledge of it. I will say there was one line that genuinely made me laugh a lot, but it kind of, again, got cut off by McKinney. But he was like, if they hadn't invented the clock, I'd be in bed dreaming. <laughs> I don't know why. That made me laugh. <laughs> I think it's true. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm trying to remember some other Mark McKinney recurring characters, because I, I am wondering if there are any that I did like. Um, I loathed Chicken Lady. Right. Oh, God, I just remembered Chicken Lady. God, no. <laughs> uh, the, I'm, I'm crushing your head guy. Oh, yeah. Crushing I like, your well, head, yes. Yeah. We're all big fans of the head crusher, actually. Uh, okay, he redeemed himself the head crusher. You're not a fan of head crusher, uh, Chloe? Head crusher, I remember I always wanted to enjoy it more than I was. I was like, I wish this was funnier to me because right. I love the idea of it. I just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a McKinney fan. He's definitely had the most problematic characters we've seen so far. I mean, the one I'm thinking about, like, is, yeah, I'm thinking <laughs> about the one where he was in blackface. Yeah. Oof, yeah. Yeah. That one was, and rough. I feel like again, chicken lady it's... is a character that, that intersects with a lot of like transphobic tropes. Mm. Yeah, we haven't seen a chicken lady sketch yet, but I well, I'm, I, I'm get ready to enjoy a that. shitload of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he even brought he even brought chicken lady to SNL, which was like, how could this be on SNL? Which flopped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty much everything that season flopped too. Like a lot of a lot of uh, terrible work that season from McKinney and yeah, McKinney was I mean, not a good him. fit what? for SNL. What was the gist of the cast when they were on? Was it when this, like, this was is that the, one of those weird years where it was this like was, Downey Jr. No, so this people? was just Mark McKinney. After Kids in the Holland, did he joined the cast of SNL? And this was kind of oh. a oh, we joined the. It cast. was a weird rebuilding wow. year because that. yeah, earlier Bruce and, and Mark wrote for Kids in the Hall or for SNL before Kids in the Hall was a show. That I remember you telling us. But about, Mark right. was in the cast the same year as Janine Garofalo, Chris Elliott, uh, I think Michael McKeon, if I, if I remember correctly. 
just oh. a, a bunch of a, a bunch wow. of like established comedians. Harry Shear probably. No, Harry Shear was in the eighties. No. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it was the nineteen ninety five oh. year. But yeah, it was it was like after they got. Re- I, I think Sandler was still there, but it was like Sandler's last year. Uh, oh wow, was that late? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and read the cast here. It's Morwena Banks, who I don't know at all. Uh, Ellen Cleghorn, Chris Elliott, Chris oh. Farley, Janine Garofalo, Norm Macdonald, Michael McKeon, Mark McKinney, Tim Meadows, Mike Myers. But he left halfway through the season. I guess McKinney left halfway through the season too. Kevin Nealon, Sandler, and Spade. And then Al Frank, uh, Laura Keitlinger, a featured player, and Jay Moore. And uh, ah. Molly Shannon joined the cast that year. Jay Moore, a man who's the only thing he could do is an impression that everyone can do. The <laughs> only thing I know about Jay Moore is his Christopher Walken impersonation, who's the easiest person to impersonate outside of Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many faces of white male mediocrity, fucking Jay Moore. And then he wrote that book about how how uh, he didn't get enough airtime on on SNL. <laughs> yeah, that great man. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about this last sketch, uh, which is the country doctor. What did you guys think of this one? This is all just summing up real quick. Uh, a country doctor, a, a, a family out on a country farm. Uh, that the father is, is is dying, and the country doctor shows up, and he's just very lackadaisical and takes his time get, getting to check on the, the old man. I'm sorry, doctor, just that Frank is awfully sick. Very no, sick. no, no, Mrs. McKay, you're right. You're right. I'll just take him off. Well, let's just get down here and, uh, uh, uh well, what do you know? Got a little knot in my laces. Never mind, well, doctor. Never mind. Get the floor, floor dirty. Let me hit this a little bit. I love dirty right. floor. No, no, I love dirty floor. Please, just come on. Well, if you really don't mind. Was that pie I smell? No, it's the smell of my daddy dying. I, I liked a lot of the jokes in this one. I loved uh, Death putting uh, the the scythe oh, together. Oh, the like scythe together. Cue. Amazing. Yes, very, very funny. Uh, I liked, um, there was, let's see, what else? Uh, oh, oh, I got to plant the sheep. I thought I, that made me laugh. Very stupid. You know, it was just too long. I feel like a lot of these scenes, they, they they have a lot of funny elements, and I just, I don't know. I mean, the amount of cutting back to, uh, you know, the dad uh, who's on his deathbed, I guess, and wailing and fighting with death, it, I don't know. It just seemed like too many scenes of one. There are funny moments. I love the McCullough thing where he's shouting, here comes the doctor, here comes the doctor, hi, doctor, and when he's right in his face. Um, but yeah, just a little too unfocused. Well, uh, what did, what did you think, Chloe? I really liked it. It's funny because I uh, someone earlier said they felt like this is one of the scene ones, and to me, this just this feels like a by the numbers sketch. Oh, interesting. With a bunch of other stuff in it, like <laughs> of all of the sketches, this feels like maybe the clearest game to me of the Doctor who will not move forward, hmm. like That's the Doctor totally who will yeah. not get to the patient, and I feel like that heightens and like moves through wonderfully. Like Bruce McCullough accidentally offering him another slice of pie, I think is really funny. I also feel like it's the most of Foley we get in this episode, who I missed a lot because I love Foley. He's great um, in it too. He's, he, he plays that country doctor just perfectly. And to me, I felt like it felt like a very tried and true sketch that would have worked on any other show. But then we also have the cuts to Scott Thompson and <laughs> right. Death, which is <laughs> I guess that's why I consider a it a scene which feels, because of that element. Yeah, which is like feels like a scene that's being like tacked onto a sketch that again, like I really, I mean, I really enjoyed it just for the pure 
silliness. Um, Bruce McCullough plays a very silly character here too. I, I I love Bruce as a little kid, which he he does. He has like a recurring character, Gavin, the little kid, who's he's like you know this one time my my dad had cancer and stuff right. like that. It's a very yeah. very funny character. But yeah, what about you, May? Um, I laughed at the death stuff way more than the country doctor stuff. Like wow. maybe because it was just like slapstick and silly to watch like death put smoking and <laughs> like putting the cigarette making him smoke. <laughs> making him smoke. I don't know that like slapping him around, like trying to kill him and not being able to just smashing everything in the room. It was just more dynamic and interesting. Whereas like watching the doctor refuse to move, that was just frustrating. It's like on the side of the wife, I was like, get the fuck in there and do something. It felt like it. an improv scene where like, you don't, you can't come up with an idea. So it's just like, no, no, I won't go into the amusement park or I'll wait right out of yeah. here. Like, and then it's like a fight. You're like, okay. Right. Can I read you guys a, a, a quote from Kevin McDonald about the sketch from the biography yeah. that I found? You can. Yeah. Okay, Kevin McDonald says, Kurt Vonnegut once said he tried to make all of his lead characters likable people, then put them through the most horrible shit. I think we do that too. Like in Dave's sketch, Country Doctor, even the character of death is kind of a funny guy, and you almost feel sorry for him in the end, when I sort of beat him and he slumps his shoulders. We Why would just... you feel bad for death? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I kind of agree with him on those points, except that I didn't feel bad for death for a second. It's death. That's bad. Yeah, fuck death. <laughs> He failed to do what he intended. Right, he's just trying to, to do, do his job. I, guess. Right, right. <laughs> I like also watching her like fight him. <laughs> Shooting death that with the broom is inherently yeah. funny. And this yeah. little sword fight with also, the scythe and the broom is funny. Yeah. I also just loved a lot of lines in this sketch. Like, is that an apple pie smell? It's the smell of my daddy dying. That's, that's, the, that's the line I wrote down. Or like, yeah. what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I either want to be a doctor like you or a corpse like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mrs. Parker is expecting expecting a baby or yes. is expecting one of mine. And then is that a chicken I smell? And Kevin McDonald really like going like, ah. There's one in the coop. <laughs> Do you mean you smell a live chicken? <laughs> yeah. Um, but they have a few like episodes where there's just one really long drawn out scene towards the end. And you're like, oh, the end of the show. Okay. This one was shorter than I thought it was. It's only about six minutes, which is it's about sketch length, I'd say. I mean, it know. feels longer. It yeah. does. It does. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I was like, if you told me it was seven or eight, I would have believed that. They do such a good job of making their voice of reason characters just as funny as all the other characters. I mean, I I, I feel like every single the, the the thing I love about this sketch is that pretty much every character in the sketch is the funny character, right? I mean, I don't I can't really see anybody having to hold back or not have a game or like drive the premise forward. They're all just kind of from the jump i think really hitting every single line pretty much this is one of the sketches that they've done on their reunion tours at least i think on the one that amay and i saw and definitely on the first one they did which i saw when i was in high school and uh i think yeah they probably keep doing it because it is great it's ensemble. one of those sketches yeah. where they all have something yeah they all have something funny to do uh it, when they do it live bruce kind of shuffles around a lot uh, as a little kid and just dances in place for like a minute straight just like acting all nervous it's very funny i i think i i feel like okay so i i think that the death stuff is related to the game of the scene because if the game of the scene is the doctor is not progressing 
while the patient is getting worse, we do see the patient get worse. And maybe in like a cartoon, you would see like death circling the patient. But then we take that one aspect and blow it out to where it's almost mechanically sound. I thought it was related. I thought it was like the joke. It's the thing is you probably wouldn't see this on stage, obviously, where you'd get to see the guy getting sicker and sicker and sicker. It would all be focused on the doctor coming up with more absurd reasons and like things distracting him from going in there. If you were working this out in UCB and you wanted to focus on one unusual thing and, you know, you had, yes, the game of, uh, you know, procrastinating doctor you would probably focus on the Dave Foley aspect being the unusual thing and mentioning the pie and having her bring him the pie and teaching McCullough to play guitar. And like, that would be the sketch. And I feel like there would probably be some resistance, probably not by the audience, but by the sketch director to include all the death stuff. Cause the death stuff does feel like in a way, sort of maybe that could be its own sketch too. I feel like it's just two sketches happening at the same time, even though it's the same game. I even think, yeah, that the death stuff is on game. It's just very heavily right. focused on to the point of it being like a side game or like a parallel game. And I, I really, I really like this piece, even though it was a, like long. I was like, this is, it's so weird because there is a perfectly functioning sketch that they're also kind of undercutting just to do this really weird shit over here, which again feels very kids in the hall. <laughs> That's kind of a trademark. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah, I, I, I love it. This is this is the kind of thing you like to see from the kids and all. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, hey, that's the end of the of the episode. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts, Chloe, about this? Uh... About this episode, but yeah, about kids and all in general too. I think, right? Or I mean, or just life, really. Yeah. What do you got? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I want to count something I said because I feel like. Kids in the Hall oftentimes does get credit for being a show that does cross-dressing well, but the only reason they have to do cross-dressing well is because it's five men. (laughs) It's also five white men. Mm -hmm. It's also like another show produced by Lorne Michaels. Like I I honestly just keep on thinking about the birthday boys being like 95% white and Bob Odenkirk going as far to back them. And I was like, you really just backed a whole shitload of dudes it is i mean it's more than 95 percent white i think it's like 100 percent white <laughs> but there, there's a there's a person of color on birthday boys not in the main cast i thought there was um uh, no, I, I i only say that because it's my fa- it is my favorite sketch show and i'm ashamed to say that <laughs> but, <laughs> you should be <laughs> And it's funny, nick now that you say that I, I i feel like i the more i'm watching kids in the hall because i'm you know, Chloe, Amay and I aren't as well-versed as Nick or I think you <laughs> as far as this show goes. But I, I, the more I watch it, the more I feel like I understand Nick. <laughs> I'm sensing <laughs> a lot of Nick's sense of humor throughout. The real purpose of this podcast is for us to get into Nick's head. <laughs> yeah, maybe that <laughs> it ends up being the thesis that we I understand that. Because, I mean, I feel like Kids in the Hall has heavily influenced me. I feel like Simpsons has heavily influenced me. And it's been Mm. a weird thing as I've gotten older to meet people who have zero familiarity, which for me were like languages, my comic languages forever. Like there were years where my friends and I could speak full conversations in Simpsons quotes. Yeah. Because it was just like so good. Or like it did feel like if someone had watched Kids in the Hall, it was like just a bit under the radar. So it was really cool to meet someone else who'd watched it. Whereas now it does feel like an odd relic that is very influential. Cause again, there just wasn't that much sketch at the mm-hmm. time. Um, so I do like it. It's, it's aged 
oddly, but it was so odd when it was out that it almost feels like trapped in time. Like mm. that it is as weird now as it was then. Cause even though comedy's gotten weirder, now it's older and weird. Yeah, I think it's yeah. still I think it still plays well. And I feel like if you mention it in conversation, it's still is it's unique in that kind of the cool factor that it has. I think most people you, you, you seem cool if that's on your list of favorite shows. I don't know what it is about Kids in the Hall, but Monty Python yeah. feels like too old and, you know, SNL's obvious and as far as sketch shows go, I don't know. That feels like one that when we were coming up always people wanted to say to make themselves feel cool whether they liked it or not. Yeah. Also, I mean, it. I feel like it. Even with like some mild transphobia, like like we've got. Oh, Frank Jr. is a little girl becoming a man, oh, right. and like yeah. lines like that played for laughs. And uh, I mean, there is the racism, but I feel like it was less racist and less punch downy than the shows at the time. Like I feel like it has aged better, even though it hasn't aged spectacularly. Um, I do think they were trying, maybe trying to say something and trying to be progressive as opposed to being bland and maybe that's and when you do that maybe sometimes you make well, the wrong move i just want to push back on the less racist thing because i some of the stuff that they do is pretty shocking to me and i also think they have never reckoned with it and i think nick in fact you like shared an interview where they were like yeah we'd do it again basically <laughs> that's bad. yeah that's it is is no i mean i do think that it's I do think it's very racist. It's funny because I, I, I just now, like a few seconds ago, actually remembered the blackface character that McKinney does. Yeah, this um, is one of the milder episodes, honestly. In the yeah, <laughs> in the first, even the first four episodes. But I, I do think it gets more mild in terms of that as it goes. Maybe I'm wrong though. I mean, I haven't, I haven't oh, sat yeah. down and watched them all. Been like trying to preview every episode before we ask people to watch it, just so they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they have a I mean, it, it's a good idea to have content warnings for things like like old sketch comedy because some of it is just so fucking rough like going back and watching mr show which is yeah a bit later but still of that same world for me where it was off the beaten path sketch comedy when there was a finite amount of comedic content go back and watch it i'm like wow you can really tell which ones david cross wrote because they're so (laughs) fucking racist (laughs) and it was that was only like a I think that started like maybe a year, a year or two after Kids in the Hall went off the air. Like they're pretty contemporaneous. Yeah, it's a it's a little back to back because I remember like Kids in. Uh, I don't know. I think Mr. Show might have been a bit later, but I could be wrong. Thank you very much, Chloe, for coming on and talking to us and uh, sharing your perspective. Oh, you're so welcome, and thank you all so much. I haven't seen any of you in quite some time, and it was wonderful to be invited. It's wonderful to get to do this. Thank you so much. Yay! <laughs> all right, signing off. Bark, 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 bark.